Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. It is a, it's a beautiful thing to have all of you here today and to celebrate one year with us. It's just amazing to see what God has done in one year. I'm just astounded uh, to see what can happen in a year. In fact, I have a before and after shot of just sort of what's happened in the last year uh, that I want to show you guys of just kind of what church planting does to a person. Yes, uh, Casey and I were f- are feeling the, feeling the pain. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's exciting for us today because we're celebrating a milestone as a church body. And in fact, that's what I want to talk about this morning is milestones. We've been in a series about time for a change. And uh, uh, as we make those changes in our lives, it's important for us to celebrate those little things, those little steps along the way. And so today we're going to celebrate a big step for us as a church body. But in all of that, I don't want to miss you and your heart and your journey journey and where you are. The the phrase that I want us to get in our minds today is the phrase market. In fact, I've been doing this for the last few weeks that we say it together to kind of help us internalize that. So I want us to say market on three. You ready? One, two, three, market. Yeah. When it comes to making changes in our life, taking big steps, it's important for us to mark those moments. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I, uh, growing up, I had a little bit of a little bit different childhood. You might have wondered that about me already. You know, uh, I'm maybe a little bit weird, but my childhood was a little bit weird in that I got to experience uh, every night being at my grandparents' house which most kids don't get that blessing, that experience. And every day after school, my mom would pick me and my sister up and she'd drive us over to my parents' house, which was close by, and they would make dinner for us and we would just have that family time together. It was a really special thing and a special place for me growing up. And I'll never forget Grandpa's Garage. Because in Grandpa's garage, there was a section of wall, and it was right next to the door, and it was where it had all these little hash marks and scribbled names and dates. And what it was, it was where they, they marked the growth of all of their grandkids. It was a, a section of wall that looked kind of dingy. He had repainted the garage several times, but he didn't paint that spot, so that spot was kind of yellowy and gross, and, and, and it was like this really beautiful history. I would go out there often, I would just marvel at it, and I would picture myself when I was younger and when I was that tall or when my, my big cousins were my size, and I would kind of imagine what that was like. And it was sort of a, a journal, a, a, a living history of us, having those little marks along the way. And today, what we're going to do is just put a hash mark on the wall. We're going to scribble a name and a date. And I hope that this is uh, impactful for you this morning. When it comes to these milestones in our lives, I think it takes a certain kind of courage to celebrate them. And here's why I think it takes courage. 
is that all of us, um, we know that we're not there yet, right? We, we know that we haven't arrived yet. We look at our lives and we think, you know, I have so much further to go, right? There's so much more to change in my life. There's so much that I know needs to be renewed and redeemed and restored, and I'm not there yet, and so there's, there's a thing in us, I call it the hamster wheel. It feels like that fear-motivated thing that kind of keeps churning inside of us where we just kind of hunker down and, and we keep our eyes uh, focused right in front of us and, and we never stop to celebrate. I was listening this week to a book called Dare to Lead. It's by uh, author and researcher Brene Brown. And I love her work on vulnerability and so I thought I would listen to this. And she uses something in the book that kind of caught my attention. She, she's talking about two types of leadership. The first is what she calls armored leadership, which is a self-protective, fear-based kind of leadership. And she contrasts that with what she calls daring leadership, which is a freer, bolder, it's more self-aware, and it's more other-centered kind of leadership. And she used this phrase. She said, armored leadership is working from scarcity and squandering opportunities for joy and recognition. The daring leadership response is practicing gratitude and celebrating milestones and victories. That there, there takes a certain kind of courage for us just to stop and say, you know what, I'm not there yet, but I'm not where I was either. And to take a moment and mark it, to say this is significant. And so maybe if you've been walking with us in this series talking about vision, how, how to see the change. We talked about the mindsets of how do we renew our minds. We talked about habits. How do we lend to the new thing that God wants to do in us? And maybe today is a day where you get to mark something for yourself, a milestone today. I want to call up the courage in you to stop and to celebrate and to thank Jesus. To do that, we're going to look at the creme de la creme passage on milestones. It's from Joshua 4. If you want to start turning, it's deep into your Old Testament and a beautiful moment in salvation history that we're going to read about. It's in chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And um, I will explain the context in just a minute, but first I just want us to read this passage together. So I'm going to start in verse 1 through 7, then I'm going to skip over to verse 19 through 24. In Joshua 4.1, it reads, After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Choose 12 men from the people, one man for each tribe, and command them, take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing. Carry them with you and set them down at the place where you spend the night. Verse 4, so Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them. The water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. Jump down to verse 19 with me. 
The people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel, cross the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the peoples on the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. So we have this beautiful passage, a beautiful moment of milestones. The the 12 tribes of Israel have crossed the Jordan River and, and God tells them, I want you to stop and I want you to grab a stone and I want you to remember what's happened here. Now, I want you to know something about the story. If you know the story, then you kind of know the background of Israel. But all of this really starts way back in Egypt. And in Egypt, they were slaves. And they were finally delivered. You know, Moses comes, right? Let my people go. They have seven plagues. And finally, they're, they're, they're let go. But then Pharaoh changes his mind and they're pinned against that Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry ground. The waters come back on the Egyptian um, soldiers and wipes them out. And they're delivered into this new place. However, it's in that wilderness, in that desert place where they sin against the Lord. And God says, look, you cannot go into the promised place. In fact, he, he, he commands that a whole generation has to pass away before finally they can enter into the promised land. Now, can you imagine wandering, walking in circles for 40 years in a desert? See, this story really begins in a desert. The, 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 the marking of this moment is so important because it began in a place of hardship and struggle and suffering and frustration. Have you ever felt like you've been through a desert in your life? Right? You've been through a season where you're like, it was just really hard. Like it was a struggle. Everything was difficult. My, my, my job, my, my kids, my spouse, or just my heart, like everything felt like desert, dry. I've had moments like that. In fact, part of our story as Renaissance Church has some desert in it. I was on staff at a church in Round Rock, Texas, wonderful church full of wonderful people, but something was going on inside of me. I had been hired to be a worship pastor, and I love music, and I love worship, and I love all that stuff, and I was doing stuff that I love to do. And yet there was this like angst, this frustration inside of me. And there was one night where I was just on my knees. I was in my master bathroom. That was like my sanctuary. It was my, my holy place where I would go in. Casey and the, and the boys were already asleep in bed. And I just had one of those moments where I call it an emotional vomiting. I don't know if you've ever done that before. You're just like, Bleh. like God already knows everything about us. He knows our hearts. He knows the number of the hairs on our head. Yet there was something therapeutic about me just hitting my knees and just telling the Lord, hey, here's what's going on inside of me. 
all my frustrations, all the, the angst, the feeling that there's something else that I'm supposed to be doing and I don't know what it is. And so, at the end of that, I said, Lord, what do I do? In a handful of times in my life, I've sensed a very clear word from the Lord. Not like an audible voice, but like that still small voice where you just know that the Spirit of God has spoken to you. And as soon as I prayed, Lord, what do I do? The, this phrase comes into my heart. It says, plant a church. My second question was, what do I call it? Now, I don't know why I asked that, but that was my second question. It's kind of a goofy second question. What, what do I call it? I hear renaissance. I said, Lord, what do I begin to pray for now? And what he spoke to me is something that I tremble at as I tell you this because it was 3,000 groups to reach 20,000 people. I know that's bigger than me. I know that's bigger than, than this. Like that's something that is a God-sized vision. But the Lord spoke to me about this church plan. Fast forward, a friend of mine, the guy that you saw in the video, Matt Powell from Crossings Community Church calls me. He says, hey man, we're finally ready to hire a worship pastor and I want it to be you and I'm not asking anyone else until you tell me no. No, I'm flattered, like, I'm, like wow, like, thank you. Like, I'm humbled, but I feel like God's spoken to me about church planting and he says, wow, that's great. Do you know when or where? I was like, no clue. All I know, I'm supposed to plant a church, it's called Renaissance and I'm praying for this crazy God-sized vision. He says, why don't we talk about that with our elders? So we spent three months back and forth talking with these guys. And in that whole process, all the boxes were checking off. But I was like confused of, of you know, if you're from Austin, you kind of turn your nose up at Houston. I, 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 that sounds terrible, right? But I'm born and bred in Austin. And Austin people are really stuck up about Austin, okay? So I'm just gonna ask for your forgiveness on the front end. Now, Houston people, we're like, Dallas, we hate that place. Those people are terrible, right? So if you're from Dallas, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dallas people feel the same way about Houstonites, right? That's just how we are in Texas. We're kind of prideful about our cities. And so I was like, God, why would you take me to Houston to bring me back to Austin? Because Renaissance Round Rock just had a nice ring to it. And I thought, oh, that's gonna be really cool here. I said, God, where do you want me to plant this church? Again, as clearly as I've heard him say anything, as soon as I pray that, I hear the name Richmond. To which I said, Virginia, right? Virginia? It's the only Richmond I've ever heard of. I thought, you know, talking about pridefulness, prideful about Texas, right? If you're from Texas, you're like, bro, this is the best place in the world. Everyone should move here. And so I was like, Lord, I don't want to go anywhere outside of Texas. And so I Google Richmond, Texas, thinking maybe there's such a place. And sure enough, Google tells me it's the city right below Cinco Ranch where my friend's asking me to come. So that weekend, Casey and I load up in the minivan. We're like, Let's go see Richmond. We're supposed to go there. So we drive in. We miss our turn. We get rerouted into this old historic area that we're standing in right now. And we pull up to a little school called Jane Long Elementary, not knowing that four years later, we would plant a church called Renaissance at Jane Long Elementary in Richmond, Texas. Wow. 
God is so good and so specific in his words. But I want you to remember that that all started in a desert. You see, deserts are powerful places for us. If you this morning feel like you're in a desert, here's what I want to tell you. Hang on. Like, hang on. You might feel like this is really hard. This is, this is a really tough season, but I want you to know that you are never, ever hopeless. We serve a God who is so powerful, he's so mighty, that when he says the word, it's time, he will call you into predestined places. He gives the word, and he speaks, and there comes a moment where we cross over. So if you're in a desert, hang on, hang on. Your God is powerful, and he is faithful. I want you to notice something about this text in, in, in chapter four, verses one. This is a little bit geeky, but just bear with me. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to geek out about this kind of stuff. In chapter four, verse one, it says, after the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Now, this is, this is interesting because up until this moment of this Jordan River experience, the, the people of Israel have been called the people of Israel. They've, every time you hear about them, it's the people, the people, the people. But now all of a sudden something has changed. And as they cross over that Jordan, they become the nation of Israel. See, I, I don't want you to miss that. Milestones are defining moments. It's where they went from people to nation. When a distinct people group step into a predestined, promised place, all of a sudden they become a nation. And I want you to remember that whatever God's calling you into has a promise in it. There's, there's a defining moment where he changes something about you, where you go from people to nation. After Casey and I moved here, some of our best friends from Round Rock, Zach and April Lambert, moved here about a year later, and they were sensing the same thing, like God's calling us to plant this church. And there's a whole story that Zach can share with you sometime that is beautiful about how he had this vision in Round Rock of this thing called Mercy Goods. And, and it just didn't quite come together. But then he moved here. And then all of a sudden, all these things begin to unfold to where he, he finds the right people in the right place. And God unfolds this thing called mercy goods. And in all that story, he was meeting with the city commissioner one day. And they were having coffee together. And uh, they're talking about mercy goods and, you know, all the things that would take to get this thing started here in the city. And the, the city commissioner is telling him about the speech that the mayor gave. He's like, yeah, the mayor gave the speech. It's a wonderful speech. And she compared Richmond to Florence, Italy. And she said, there's a renaissance taking place in Richmond. And then he went on again. He said, yeah, and she's talking about this renaissance. And there's this renaissance taking, and he said it several times. And Zach stops him and says, do you know the name of the church that we're going to be planting here? He said, no. What's the name? It's called renaissance. That was a defining moment. 
We felt like we had stepped into something in faith, just sort of, you know, hearing the voice of God and taking a step and obeying that voice. And then all of a sudden, God just starts bringing these little confirmations to say, look, I'm changing your name. There's something powerful taking place here. It's a defining moment. I also want you to check this out in verses one through three where we picked up there. It says, the Lord spoke to Joshua, verse two, choose 12 men from the people, one man for each tribe, and get this, command them. Take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at the place where you spend the night. And I don't want you to miss that that God commanded them to mark the moment. This wasn't Joshua thinking, oh, wouldn't that be really cute if we had like a little stack of stones and we could like tell our kids, like, wouldn't that be awesome? That's a great idea. We should do that, guys. No, it was like God speaks to Joshua and he tells them, command them to take a stone, one for every tribe, and mark this moment. Our God is a God of milestones, a God of celebration, a God who, who commands us to stop, like stop the hamster wheel and celebrate what I'm doing. Do you see, do you see what I'm doing? He calls us to mark the milestones, and he calls the people of Israel to mark this special moment. I think of uh, one of the most amazing change organizations, life change organizations, is Alcoholics Anonymous. And every time that you cross a milestone, 50 days, 100 days of sobriety, you get a chip. Stop and celebrate. I have friends like April that do Camp Gladiator, and there's this thing about a number of check-ins, and it's like 50 check-ins, and they're like, woo, they throw a big party, right? Just, it's a milestone. You have to stop and celebrate. But did you notice where he commanded them to get the stones from? It wasn't from the side of the Jordan. It wasn't on the bank of the Jordan. He told them, go back down into the middle of the Jordan, where the ark of the Lord is, and take a stone. That's curious to me. Why the middle? God knows that there's something about the middle of what seems impossible, that there are treasures in the middle of that that we need to stop and grab hold of. We didn't see it in this passage, but in Joshua 3.15, it tells us that this river, the Jordan River, was at flood stage that it was overflowing its banks. It's that rainy time of year for them, and so the river would have been swollen up. Now, we know a thing or two about flood stage rivers in our town, right? If you've been here very long, you know about the tax day flood, and you know about Hurricane Harvey. Maybe your home was impacted or someone's home that you know was impacted by a flood stage river. And if you remember seeing that river, when it's overflowing its banks, if you're anything like me, I'm like, I don't want to touch that thing with a 10-foot pole. I'm staying away from that. But isn't it just like God to pick the moment 
where it feels like, why, why, why now? Like, it's flood stage. Can't we wait till another season where things calm down? And right in the middle of the flood stage, God says, step into the river. It's like the magnitude of our circumstances magnify his glory in overcoming them. And there are stones in the middle of your river. We had some difficult times church planting. My oldest son, Will, when we were being prepared with the Houston Church Planting Network, he had this response, some sort of health, like autoimmune response. And, and we noticed that like he couldn't walk. He was complaining every morning. He, he couldn't walk. And we thought, well, maybe he's just stiff. But it would go all day long. And the, the, the teachers at school would call us and say, like, he's just crying in pain. And he can't move. Like, we don't know what's going on. And so we go to the specialist. And we're like, what's going on? All of a sudden, he, he starts breaking out in, in these hives all over his body. And doctor after doctor after specialist after specialist is like, we don't know. Somehow, God healed my son in the middle of that. My middle son, Dawson, he uh, stopped eating for six weeks. Just stopped. We noticed, like, hey, he hasn't touched his breakfast or his lunch or his dinner. One day of that, and you're like, no big deal. Six weeks, and you're worried. His body was starting to get really thin looking. He was just drinking milk. That's all he could do. And, and uh, we're, again, we're going to specialist after specialist. Doctors were, you know, the head of a department at Texas Children's is, is talking with us. And when he starts saying, well, it could be, it might be, maybe it's, and when he starts using words like that, you realize like nobody knows what's going on here. There's no clue. And yet, uh, I remember the day I was at an HCPN gathering, and Chad, the director, tells me, hey, we've, we're seeing a lot of spiritual warfare right now for church planters, so we're going to be praying for your son by name. And after that gathering, multiple people, pastors stopped me and said, can we just pray for him right now? And we pray for him right there. And I'd walk another 10 feet. Can we pray for him right now? We pray for him again. I had multiple guys stop me, and that night I get home. And I'm sitting at the table telling Casey about this amazing experience of having all these people care for us and pray for us. And Dawson grabs a bag of donuts out of the pantry and eats two powdered sugar donuts. And we're like, what? And he started eating that day, and he has not stopped since. How great is our God, the healer, the God who hears prayers. That's the power of God. Like, no doctor figured it out, ever. It was, the, it was the working of our God. And here's the thing. There are stones in the middle of your river. There are things that God wants you to pull out and take with you, but it's not on the banks. It's not on the easy part. It's like down in the depths of that thing where you have to go and you have to walk into it. And yet, there's something in the middle of it for you. I think about our friends, the Nances. They um, felt like God was calling them. They, we didn't know this. They were praying and fasting because they heard about us talking about church planting. And then they just said one day, hey, by the way, we're in. We're like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, we've been praying and fasting. And we're in. And so what do they do? They sell a brand new home in Katy, Texas. Beautiful place. They, they move into a house here in Richmond. And then this little thing called Hurricane Harvey comes. And then all of their stuff in the home gets destroyed and they walk away from that house 
And yet in the middle of the literal flood stage river, God just opens up this whole new calling for them, cross-cultural missions, going to Japan. There were stones in the middle of the river that they had to walk into. So if you are in difficulty right now, if you feel like you're walking through something, it's like, I don't know how this is going to work. It seems impossible, but God's calling me to step into it. I just want you to know that maybe there's just something in the middle of that river that you need to mark, something beautiful that God wants to do in your life. He's the God who calls us to mark those moments. Lastly, I don't want you to miss verse 21 through 24. Don't miss the meaning of the milestones. He says, in the future, when your children ask their fathers, what's the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. And don't miss this, verse 24, this is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. Did did you catch that? The meaning of the milestone was not a great story. It was God's glory. And every stone that you carry has a story attached to it. And that story is your story, but it's bigger than your story. It's God's story, and it's all about his glory. When you have those things that you hang on to, you say, man, we were in the middle of it. It was so hard. It was crazy. And yet, look at what the Lord has done. It tells the world about the glory of our God. And it's crucial for the next generation. It's crucial for them. Your kids, they need your story. Your grandkids, they need your story. If you don't have kids, you might have people that come over and and hang out with you. And I just want you to know, they need your story. The next generation needs to hear the story of God's glory in your life. Don't miss the purpose of the milestone. So let me close with some questions. What has God been doing inside of you? What has your journey been marked by? What has this year meant for you? Maybe today, there's a new thing. Like you feel like you're, you, you've been in the desert and now God's saying, it's time. Let's go in. And you need to mark this moment, this new thing that God is calling you into. And I want to challenge you to mark it. When Casey and I were leaving our beloved church and friends back in Wimberley, Texas, uh, the friends of ours, we were in kind of a house church setting with these people, and they threw a party for us. And what they did is they had these stones, like river stones, and they wrote a name or a word for the season on every stone. So everybody wrote this, this word for us, and so we still have this jar of stones in our house that have words written on them that just mean something special to us when we read them. 
And as we close today, we're not gonna have the Lord's Supper like we normally do. We're gonna have stones. We have four stations set up and there are stones of various sizes and shapes on every one of these tables. And here's what I wanna ask you to do. I want you to take one of those stones and maybe there's a word that God's given you, just something special about this year or this season. Maybe it's a word of change or a word of promise or a word of, of just thank you, a word of praise. But I want to challenge you to think for a moment about what do you need to mark? Like, what's this season meant for you? And then I want you to grab a stone and I want you to grab a, a, we have Sharpies and paint pens, and I just want you to write the word on the stone, and I want you to literally mark it down so that when you're in your house and you see it on the shelf or on your desk and you look back and you remember, oh yeah, I remember what God did. I remember what God said. Or maybe your kids say, what does this mean? Your grandkids, what does that, what does that rock mean? Or the person who comes into your house, tell me about the rock. And you have a story of God's glory. Lastly, maybe um, you've been hearing me talk about this plan of God, this promised place, this destined place that we get to walk into and there's something in you maybe you feel kind of like I felt that angst of like I, I want that like I want to go in I, I want to go into what God has like I I need that I need to go in but if you're honest you've been wandering in a desert and it's not just a desert of spiritual dryness it's a desert of like I don't believe in God or I haven't believed in him maybe it's been a desert of just sin brokenness a desert of worldly pleasures and self-seeking, and you found that there's no life there. You thought there was life there, but it's not there. There's no rest there. It's just death. It's desert. And something is stirring in you this morning. This says, I need to go in. I want to go in. But you can't. You can't go in. Unless... A Joshua arises to lead you in. Jesus is the truer and better Joshua who walks us into the promised place, which is relationship with our Heavenly Father. He's calling you. He wants you to come in. Maybe today, your stone simply needs to read this. I believe. I believe. Because that's how you walk in. It's not like, oh, I'm going to clean myself up, and then I'm going to get things right, and then finally, then you know, God's going to accept me. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. It's not about you earning it. It's not about doing a bunch of good deeds now to get yourself in. It literally starts with this. I believe in you. And when you make that transaction with the Father, when you put your trust in Jesus, that's when you go in. And Jesus, your truer and better Joshua, leads you in to that promised place. So, maybe for you, that milestone needs to read, 
I believe. Let's pray together this morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.